You're listening to the Unipreneurs Podcast. I'm coming to you live from the startup unicorn capital of Stockholm, Sweden, and my name is Alexa Edström. On the Unipreneurs Podcast, we showcase student entrepreneurs from around the world by sharing their stories with you, both the struggles and successes. We want to inspire you to start your own entrepreneurial journey as a student or recent graduate by motivating a new generation of Unipreneurs. You can find us online at unipreneurs.com to learn more or follow with our podcast. This episode will be just me, but it's a very special one because I'm interviewing a student from my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Earlier in the spring, I connected with the Entrepreneurship Club at the University of Texas at Dallas once I saw that they also produce a podcast. Their team has sent me some truly amazing students and recent alumni for me to interview on our podcast, and I'm really excited for us to branch outside of Sweden and hear the perspectives of students living in the U.S. In this episode, I interview Varika Pinam, the founder of Think Ida, a web and mobile app to connect underrepresented female founders to mentors, funding, and resources on a membership basis. Their mission is to empower women to ideate, decide, act on business goals, and create more accessibility and entrepreneurship for women. We dig deep into the topics of experimenting within entrepreneurship, overcoming imposter syndrome, finding your true customers, and what it's really like starting a startup in the beginning stages. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. So, hi, Varika. Hi, Alexa. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. This is so much fun to do because it's our first virtual podcast. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, that's awesome. (laughs) And I'm so happy that you're actually the one who tipped me on using this software so that we could do it. Uh, And I'm also so happy to have like Uh, at least our time zones, you know, work pretty well together so that it's early for you and getting late for me. Um, But I'm really happy that, yeah, I could interview you today. Yeah, thanks for making that work. I know it's not easy with the time zones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I injured you a bit before we started the interview, but maybe you can just kind of give us a little summary on your background and how you ended up in Dallas. Like, where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Where do you go to school now? And what do you study? Yeah, so I've actually moved quite a bit. So I was born in India and, like, raised there for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so a like, pretty small town in India. And then we moved to, like, suburbs near Chicago. So that's where I was for almost a decade. And then for my last year of high school, weirdly enough, we moved to Florida. So, like, I technically graduated from Florida. And then, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then before I started college, so at the time that I was going to college, my parents and my family moved to California, and then I came to Dallas for college. So yeah, I moved a lot, and I am studying marketing, so that's my major, and I'm minoring in computer science, and yeah, like, I guess I picked Dallas. It's weird. People always ask me, like, why did you come to Dallas, and honestly- Yeah, because I, I grew up there. I'm like, <laughs> why did you go to Dallas? <laughs> that's funny, yeah. So it was such a weird coincidence. Like, when I was in Florida, you know how you get, like, a ton of junk mail from colleges? 
Yeah. I just happened to open this one and I was like, oh, it seems interesting. Like, I'll apply it. And then, like, (laughs) it just, like, so happened that I fell in love with it. So, yeah. Really? You you saw UTD's marketing and you were like, wow, I have to go to that school. <laughs> I did not even. It was more like, I'll be honest, like, I just was like, okay, just apply, you know? Yeah. Like, why not? But then, like, I decided I have to go. And honestly, even when I got in, like, I didn't make my decision until the last minute. I decided I really wanted to go because before I came here, I already met a bunch of people, like, online, like, that were all, that had already decided to come here. And Mm -hmm. in fact, those people are like still my best friends today. So yeah, like it really like told me like I felt like I found a community here and stuff. So that's Mm -hmm. why I came here. But I'm very happy with my decision because I think like all the stuff that's happened during my like college experience, I don't know, probably could have happened elsewhere, but I don't, I wouldn't change anything about it, you know? That's super nice to hear. I totally feel the same as well. Like, I mean, for me, it would have been, yeah so weird for me to go to school in Dallas because I grew up there so I knew that (laughs) I never wanted to Uh, but I think UTD is a really really good school Um, and that's actually my brother's dream school he was mad when my parents told him no you need to you know move to Sweden and try to go to school there first but he has a lot of friends that go there and even I have a lot of friends that go there too and I mean it's great with UTD because they have so many connections with like the working world and all the tech companies that are in the DFW area. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing a really good job, at least like um, in the business school for sure. Um, like they had their own career center and stuff. And yeah, and I think it's and, growing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so why did you choose marketing as your major with a minor in computer science? Yeah, this is also like a random like impulse decision. So that's how usually how I like operate, I guess. So basically, <laughs> um, literally like a couple months before college started. So I was in the pre-med route, right? So I was doing like an interdis- Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was in, in like an interdisciplinary sciences, like, I don't know, discipline or whatever. And I just like decided I didn't want to be pre-med anymore. Like I didn't want to go to school for 10 years and... I didn't want to look back on my 20s and just, like, see that I was in school and I wasn't even feeling passionate about it. And, like, mm-hmm. obviously, like, my best friend is going to medical school. I'm super proud of her for it. So it's obviously, like, a very worthy career choice. But, like, I just did not think that I had it in me to do that. So I was like, okay, I want to do business, but I don't want to do, like, business, like, you know, like, serious or, like, I don't know, finance or accounting or something like that. Um and I wanted to do something more creative, but I, I knew I wanted it to be business because I was, like, always fascinated by the business world. Mm-hmm. That's why I picked marketing. And then computer science. So, basically, honestly, I picked this because I just wanted – I was curious, and I wanted to know more about programming. Like, um, people always say, like, oh, that's such a genius combination. And I'm like, it mm-hmm. was really just, like, an influence. It really is. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, because – one time on this, like, group chat, people were talking about, like, how many languages do you know, right, in the context of, like, computer science, and I thought they were talking about, like, English, <laughs> French, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't even know. Any, any non-technical language. person, probably, there's probably somebody listening to this now that was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's true. Language. See, exactly. Yeah, and I was like, there's languages for a computer? And then I realized it's just like whole other world that I don't know anything about. So I wanted to like just kind of tap into it. So yeah, that's why. That's really, really smart. I mean, I didn't even know really that computer science existed until three years ago. 
Um, and I don't know if you've looked at my background at all, but I used to work for a startup that was trying to get more young girls into coding and mm-hmm. all of my like co-founders and stuff, they are really good at programming and they're just amazing women in tech in general. And I had a zero tech experience and no programming experience. Uh, but we actually created like a solution to really try to encourage girls to learn how to start programming in Python. So the Python language for those who don't know. And uh, that was really my first introduction. And now it's like, I feel left out of the club. It's like, if you're not learning how to program, what are you doing in your free time? (laughs) That's the future. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not even anymore because honestly, like, (laughs) I think the past few semesters, um, because it's a minor, so it's been like pretty like lax, but like now I'm just like programming on my own. So hopefully we're still keeping up with the trends. I mean, even if you learn HTML and CSS, that's still something. (laughs) At least you can design, or I think you have been designing your own website, right? Yeah, but I haven't really been coding it from scratch, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. I just like, I think I could like spend time doing something else. I didn't try Mm -hmm. to learn it from scratch. But this is actually, this is probably super helpful for people who maybe want to start a venture to know how you have built your website. Oh, yeah. So I did it on WordPress, which I know a lot of people say is, like, really hard to use. Like, it does have Mm -hmm. a bigger learning curve. Um, But, like, I didn't use, like, Wix or Squarespace or anything like that. Um, So I used it on WordPress, and it is a bigger learning curve, but I think you can customize it more. um, Mm -hmm. And it has, like, better SEO and stuff. So, yeah, that's how I built it. It took a while, and, like, you know, you keep making tweaks and stuff. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy with it so far. And it's really just, like, um, a page for, like, information and stuff like that. Um, and then like you can create an account on there, but we would have to like monitor it manually right now. So yeah, yeah. but it's pretty simple, but yeah, it's, I would say like you can use WordPress. Um, I had one of my friends do it for her like resume site came out nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Our Unipreneur's website is through Wix and it's pretty expensive to host every year. So I've yeah. been thinking if I can pull in my brother, or one of my other talented programming friends to help me. Uh, transfer the website over to WordPress because that would be way better. Yeah. <laughs> so started with that. So I guess a tip for everyone would be maybe start with WordPress, but if you really have zero programming experience and you have no friends working with it, then probably Wix or Squarespace is going to be a better bet for you. Yeah, but uh, transitioning, mm-hmm. uh, how did you originally get involved with entrepreneurship or like how were you introduced to it? Yeah, so I was introduced to it because um, there was this, like, well, there's this Blackstone Launchpad on campus, and they do, like, a weekly newsletter. So and what I is Blackstone? S- oh, yeah. So Blackstone, well, Blackstone's, like, this world, like, international, like, VC firm, but mm-hmm. Blackstone Launchpad is, like, their student extension of it. So mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. on certain campuses, and I think, weirdly enough, in Ireland too so it's like US and Ireland maybe yeah um they have like campuses on like at universities and mm-hmm. it just helps students with entrepreneurship so they partner with Techstars which is uh, a really famous accelerator right mm-hmm. and to do this right so yeah we have one of those on our campus which we're actually really lucky to have um I think UTD is one of the top universities in the country for entrepreneurship which is pretty awesome that is so, awesome yeah and so I just signed up for their newsletter and I signed up for it because I was doing a case competition at the time. So I was like, oh, maybe like this newsletter will help me like meet someone who can help me with the case competition. 
yeah. And I didn't even know what they did. But, like, I knew that they, like, helped you, like, meet mentors and stuff if you needed help with something. So I was like, okay. I need help with this case competition. Um, <laughs> what so year then, in your studies was this? Oh, this was my sophomore year. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm a senior now. Yeah. So and, your second year in. Mm-hmm, yeah, second year. And so when I saw this newsletter, that, that was like the inaugural like cohort of this like accelerator they were doing. So they were doing this like kind of like mini incubator accelerator thing for like students who wanted to get into entrepreneurship and stuff. So I applied to it and I did not even have an idea or anything. I literally like you're supposed to say like, oh, what are you going to work on? Like I just applied like I actually don't know anything about entrepreneurship, but I'd like to learn. Like, please accept me. <laughs> yeah, you had an eagerness. <laughs> yeah. So I did actually end up getting in and then I did it and it was really, really great. And I think that was like my first exposure to entrepreneurship. And prior to that, like I really had no clue about like the resources on campus or like startups in general. Wow. Okay. And so how did the idea for your current venture come to you? How yeah. long after that? Yeah. So it was like, right. Like, so this is like the galaxy is like an eight week program. And so like okay. right at the end, there's a pitch competition. So it's supposed to be like a pitch competition to kind of help you get like warmed up to pitching and stuff and like mm-hmm. conceptualize something. So I was like, okay, like I want to practice, you know, like um, even if it doesn't go anywhere, like at least I'll have pitched. So I was talking with my sister, who's my current co-founder, and mm-hmm. we came across this, or we came up with this, because we both come across, you know, things in the past, like, you know, during our personal internships, where mm-hmm. we were working with female founders, and we saw them struggling so much, and at the time, like, I did not know why that was, because like I said, I didn't know about entrepreneurship and stuff, uh, but usually, like, the one example that I'll give you is, I was working at a PR company, you know, sophomore year, a few months prior to this. Mm-hmm. And one of our clients, so we were doing like free work for her because she was completely in debt. Like she was $200,000 in debt from oh her my business. God. Yes, it was frightening. And like she'd lost all of her house savings, everything, right? She'd moved into her trailer. Like it was really bad. And I felt just so bad for her. Um, and I would, like, keep thinking about her, but I didn't really know what to do. I was like, okay, like, I don't know what to do. I just feel like that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And so when we were talking about, like, I was just telling my sister, like, hey, I'm participating in this program on campus. I just want to, like, pitch, like, you know. And so we were just talking, and we came up with this idea, right? I mean, it's evolved a lot since then, but the general premise is the same. So I, when is- I go to the – oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so – yeah, the, the night we came up with it, I was like, we just like named it that night. So we called it IDA, which stands for Ideate, Decide, Act. And we were like, okay, we want to be a platform to help women entrepreneurs like start and grow their businesses better and kind of democratize the access that they have to mentors and investors and resources. Because mm-hmm. we just noticed that's like such a huge problem and like statistically so as well. Yeah, I mean, and we still see initiatives kind of popping up every three months like new initiatives to try to tackle this but still statistically it's remaining a problem and still so much more work that needs to be done exactly exactly I think like I think it's awesome like all these organizations are out there so like I don't even think it's like oh competitors like I think it's really really good that a lot of people are trying to help um but it's still like statistically really bad right so Yeah. yeah That's how we came up with it. And it's so funny when I went, because I thought this was going to be like, everyone's just pitching their ideas and, you know, everyone's like an amateur like me. 
But when I went to the pitch competition, <laughs> there were like, I don't know, adults in there. Like, I mean, I'm an adult too, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's and, something we'll we'll dig into later. Imposter okay. syndrome. So that's okay. that's good you mention it now. Okay, so yeah, I went to um, this pitch competition and. I like so I just pitched I was super super nervous and then like when they announced the results I ended up getting third place which I was like really shocked about too (laughs) (laughs) even having like a minimum viable product at that point no I literally just had like a pitch deck that was kind of ugly to be honest um um, yeah so I literally just like pitched this idea and I got we got third place and that was honestly such a big boost because I think like, I wouldn't say, like, that I would, like, give up on stuff. Like, I usually like to see things through. But because mm-hmm. I'd gone into this with, like, the mindset that this is, like, a program I'm participating in just to, like, get to know about entrepreneurship, if I hadn't won, I wouldn't, I would have been, like, okay, like, I learned, like, I got my first experience pitching, great, you know? But because yeah. I got third place, I felt like, oh, wait, did what I pitch actually makes sense? And, like, does this have a possibility of, like, continuing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's funny because actually I have a similar story and this is actually how I got involved with Unipreneurs in the first place, but it all started with the pitch competition. We basically had a weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to first you had to pitch your idea on a Friday. I had no idea, but I went up on the stage and pitched this idea. I had around a circular sustainable fashion business model somehow other students in the crowd liked it and wanted to rally behind that so we worked on it for three days and ended up pitching it and won fourth place okay so like no experience and then just kind of got thrown into the world I think we worked on our idea for another two months and then it just kind of uh you know like fell apart but Mm -hmm. uh yeah, that's funny because I, I think pitching in general too, it's such a good thing to practice and whatever ends up happening to you, you're always going to need to know or it's always great for you to have really great pitching skills. Yeah, That's something absolutely. that's just always going to work for you. Yeah, and like with Ida, like just over the past year and a half, I think I've gotten very comfortable with that fact, like pitching all the time. <laughs> And so what is the idea for Ida now? Yeah. How has it transformed? Yeah, so I would say it's definitely transformed um, quite a bit because at least in the beginning, like while we pitched the idea, we realized quickly that like implementing everything we were thinking about is like super hard. Like we wanted to be community. We wanted to like connect everybody to like investors and mentors. And um, we wanted it to be like, it's like one-stop shop for like everybody of every stage which I know like looking back that's probably like a really bad way to do like a customer niche but you know I'm also very <laughs> optimistic yeah super <laughs> optimistic um so I would say it's evolved a lot now because I think um we've kind of narrowed it down to focus on like early stage like early idea stage MVP stage like you know mm-hmm. like just like first launch kind of founders and then we've also like this summer pivoted to include small business founders which is really interesting because we did that because we started getting a lot of traction from them. Right. And originally I thought, Oh, like that might be a mistake or something. Like, why is this like, not like, cause but I if just you're thought getting, if you're getting traction. That's not a mistake. That's your customers <laughs> revealing themselves to you. Exactly. Exactly. But I was just like, because I thought that our customers were like tech startup founders. So I'm like, Oh, like did we do something like weird with our marketing? 
So I was just like saying this to a mentor and he's like, that actually sounds like a really, really good audience because that audience is like so underserved. Yeah. And like, cause most like accelerators, incubators, all of that is geared towards tech, tech startup founders, yeah, exactly. right? So I was like, okay, yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. And then I started looking into it and I realized like the data we'd been using, which was like from Statista, US labor and stuff mm-hmm. like that is most likely relating to small business founders because there's more of them, you know? So like when when the U.S. says, yeah, go ahead. It must be, okay, don't quote me on these numbers. I will find them after and put them in the (laughs) bio. But I think it's like somewhere around 85% of newly founded ventures actually aren't like startup startups. They're just small businesses or family-owned businesses. And that's in the United States. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact number either, but that sounds like close to what I think it is as well. <laughs> yeah, we can double check this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we'll, we'll say it with confidence. <laughs> yes. that's See, honestly, that's what pitching is all about. You just say whatever you're saying with confidence. So how did these small businesses find out about you? Yeah, so um, we had like, we, so we were running ad campaigns and, and stuff. And then I think we were getting like organic traction too, uh, just from like people referring or they would like stumble across it. So yeah, that's how it happened. And um, so like during our ad campaign, like when people are signing up, um, we had people like enter in like which business idea they wanted to work on and stuff. So then we mm-hmm. noticed that all of these ideas, like some of them were startups for sure. Um, but we noticed a lot of them were also like small businesses. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was actually like, right. Yeah. Where were you running the ad campaigns? Was this Facebook, Instagram, Google ads? Yeah, it was on Facebook, and actually, we've had really, really good luck with our Facebook campaigns, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we could do a whole marketing episode in itself, too, because yeah. there's probably a lot of people listening that, I mean, I've actually helped out some of my friends with running Facebook ads. One friend in particular, he launched a Kickstarter campaign this spring, and I spent like half a day walking him through Facebook ads, and he said it was just so helpful and beneficial for him because that's where most of his traffic ended up coming in for the campaign and it succeeded, which is amazing. So now actually I got my Kickstarter products from him over the weekend. Oh my Uh, gosh. What is it? (laughs) uh, It's very niche. He makes uh, playing cards um, and he's found like antique kind of photos. um, And so he puts them on like playing cards, like a card deck and okay. uh, produce them and sells those uh, which cute. is yeah, like it's it. very niche it's a very big community <laughs> uh, no. but yeah so what how many users did you have kind of in your beta testing for your platform yeah so uh that's kind of like yeah I'll tell you more about like what we're doing now and how it relates mm-hmm. but basically we had I think so in the spring we did like a pilot right so I would say total then we had about 37 Okay. Uh, yeah. That's or, a good number. Yeah. And it's because it's like really hard to do everything manually. So we couldn't like get that's everybody that signed up to be in our pilot, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and then like similarly, um, same thing in the summer, about the same. And it's because again, once again, it's just like hard to do everything manually. And like, we're really, really like big on like, I don't know, like just like customer connection. So we like talk to all of our customers personally. So with just like a lot of people, it can get quite busy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And so what are you doing with them now? Yeah. Or who you have on the platform? 
yeah absolutely so basically now we are developing a mobile app so what i want to do is transition them onto the mobile app so we've just told them like that we are building a mobile app so like when we do you'll get access to it mm -hmm. but since we finished up like our two tests um we're just keeping them in the loop and stuff with like what's going on with ida but we're not like doing anything with them right now like quote unquote mm -hmm. you know um and so we just have so we want to get the, our pilot users and like our summer users and then all the people on our wait list transitioned over into the app so that's what we're working on right now that's awesome and what does the timeline look like yeah, so we're actually, like, right now, as we speak, growing our team. Um, so our team has grown a lot this month, and, like, we're just continuing to grow it. So mm -hmm. I would say, like, by the time that people come together and, you know, like, we review, like, the product roadmap and all of that, I would say it's probably, like, end of October before we start um, October 2020, if people are mm -hmm. listening later. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, before we start building. And I'm hoping to get, like, a prototype out by end of January. And I think awesome. with a prototype, we can, like, just launch to existing pool of users because they're more, mm -hmm. like, friendly to it. They already know us, and they'll be willing to test it out. Yeah. And do you have any geographical constraints for your, like, beta testers right now? We don't, actually. Good question. We've had people from all over the world, including Sweden. So, <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of, wow, I don't... There's so much to process there because like you said, yeah, there are some other like networks or apps trying to connect female founders. And how do you, I know you said you're kind of focusing on small businesses and early stage founders, but how else do you differentiate yourself from the competition? And maybe you can just kind of walk us through your thought process there because it might be helpful for other students or alumni to know how they can, yeah, also think about differentiating themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the one, number one thing we've noticed is that mostly like when people are connected to mentors, investors and stuff, there's like one channel which it comes through programs, accelerators and stuff like mm -hmm. that, which is like really, really selected, like less than 1% acceptance, right? Yeah. So that access is blocked off to a lot of people. And then if we're talking about like um, general like community sites, networking sites and stuff like that, it's very hard to get a mentor who is consistent like you that person knows your business and like cons is consistently updating with you mm -hmm. and who's also like not your peer right because when you have a mentor you want someone who is like above experienced you. Yeah. yeah like above you in like the next mile step you know what I'm like milestone mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah so I've noticed um and I've like tried to test these sites out that a lot of these are peers which is great because you really get to meet some like really nice people and you know, they're working on things and it's really great to connect. But if they're at the same experience level as you, you're not learning from them. Yeah, I mean, I guess, well, it's like different kinds of like, yeah, it's not necessarily a mentorship. Like you want peers who can you can go to to rant and get advice mm -hmm. and just speak solace in each other. Um, exactly. But like in a mentor, yeah, you want them to be more wise than you and maybe to have gone through similar experiences to what you have so that you can actually get, I don't know, yeah, good advice, but also just guidance yeah exactly so yeah i think there's benefits to both for sure so i would say that's a big difference um with the networking sites and stuff and then the other difference i would say which actually like even our users have said to us like repeatedly on their own mm -hmm. is that and i think this comes from us like being just very involved with our customers and like talking to them all the time um is that like we're really customized and all the other like platforms and stuff it's kind of like um 
like you just log on and you just do your thing but like everyone sees the same thing does that make sense yeah yeah and with startups or like small businesses even it's like really tricky because everyone has their own path right so our customers have even said that like they appreciate that whatever their it's like customized to their business and their industry like the mentor we match them mm-hmm. with or like if they have a question like we'll point them towards a resource or something like mm-hmm. that um and so they appreciate that compared to our competitors so what we're trying to do with the app is like automate that process mm-hmm. of being customized so i think that's a really big um unique differentiator which i haven't seen other platforms doing yeah so you're almost like a matchmaking kind of platform which is like I guess you could think in like a typical dating sense but you're you're mixing the best of both worlds yeah I've actually looked at like a dating algorithm for this (laughs) matchmaking algorithm for sure yeah or bumble biz or like something like that yeah exactly I think bumble biz is great um and then so as far as the customization like what we're working on with the app is I want users to be able to put in their milestones of like what they've done so far and like for Mm -hmm. us to suggest the next steps based on those milestones which I know is like really ambitious but we've talked about that with (laughs) what like an algorithm or yeah like we would go in and oh cool yeah so like (laughs) any any potential investors listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is is not just a matchmaking startup it's a tech startup (laughs) yeah so we're yeah like that's what the long-term product like roadmap is so we're Mm -hmm. really excited about that because I think that will open up the door for like something different in the space for sure because I don't see any competitors doing that and I think it'll be really helpful to people as well yeah cool and so how have you kind of thought about because I really like your new like branding and what kind of thought went behind that choice yeah so as far as the branding honestly the colors like we wanted to have something like really vibrant and we didn't want to do like the typical like soft pink or like white or like beige lavender you know mm-hmm. something like that that's like really feminine and soft <laughs> yeah that we've seen like with a lot of competitors so we're like okay we just want to do like a bright like I don't know poppy color yeah and then as far as like our like in illustrations and stuff like that I again I wanted it to feel more like a tech startup than like a typical like social media like mm-hmm. um, networking type of site so I wanted it to feel like more modern and fresh and also more like um, like you're using like a service and that you're not having to do like a ton of work like you know the expectation you have when you use like a SaaS product or like right now we're on Zencaster right yeah Exactly. So that's the try- the feel I'm trying to go with, with the platform or the mobile app, where it's like mm-hmm. very done for you and very easy to navigate. And I feel like entrepreneurship itself is so hard to navigate and so nebulous that I wanted it to be this like cute kind of like funky space mm-hmm. um, where like it's very easy and like tech oriented and easy to navigate. Yeah, it's it's funny because actually I can see that like I can see your major and minor kind of both going into your choices here because you you have like a marketing background but since you have studied a bit of computer science and you're at a very kind of like tech dominant school I feel like you've also been exposed to all the tech companies and like Mm -hmm. tech startups websites as well and I can see kind of both of those worlds combining into your website and brand which is really really unique and cool (laughs) thank you (laughs) so did now I guess like let's hop back a bit before Ida but did you have any like working or internship experience before starting your venture I did uh so this was sophomore year right so at that time I had done when I started my venture I was kind of wrapping up my 
third internship. So basically I had done like a sales internship, a PR internship, which is where like I met that client. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing a marketing research internship at a museum. Cool. So yeah, that was my experience. Um, They were good. Like I would say, like I don't regret any of that because I think that like is what built up my college career and like helped me get other opportunities as well. And it was Mm -hmm. pretty fun. So yeah. Um, and so you so yeah okay so you said how much experience you kind of had before starting but how much experience do you kind of think one needs to have before starting a venture honestly you don't really need any to be honest (laughs) because I don't think that I directly used like anything from my experience like to start the venture if I'm even being Mm -hmm. honest like maybe just having the experience of working with other people, but not even that. I don't think there was anything that directly lent itself to that. And I think also telling yourself that you need experience as a prerequisite is like one more way of like letting fear hold us back. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah. Cause then I could have also said like, well, I don't know anything about entrepreneurship, you know, I didn't have that experience. So I think experience is always going to be something that we're lacking in one way or another. And the best way Mm -hmm. to learn is just do it. Like no matter how many, like, courses you take you just have to do it to learn on the fly you know yeah and I think that kind of like fear of not having any experience that's also maybe what holds back a lot of women from pursuing their ideas and starting ventures which is just yeah a a cycle of a problem (laughs) yeah absolutely Um, and we kind of mentioned it a bit earlier but yeah have you ever like suffered from imposter syndrome while taking on such a big role yeah. <laughs> so yeah, going back to I guess what we mentioned earlier, right? Um, which was like the first pitch I ever did, which is like what yeah. I was expecting to be like an amateur, <laughs> like you know, skipping through the field. Uh, yeah, and you and you didn't feel like an adult like the others. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, and I felt like the others, like they were far more experienced, like they were older than me and more experienced in entrepreneurship, and like mm-hmm. they actually did already have like launch products, MVPs, or like actual customers and everything. So I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, how did I even get in here? Do you remember so how you kind of like overcame that to still like go and pitch your idea? Yeah, so I was like, I called a friend, first of all, um, who came over and like to the like the pitching location on campus. And then so we just kind of talked and then I was like, OK, well, I'm already here and it would be really embarrassing to walk out. So <laughs> I guess I just have to do it. So I think, honestly, it went by in such a haze. Like, when they call my name, I just did it. I'm like, just recite what you memorized and just get off. It's okay. <laughs> like, no one will remember you. It's okay. Yeah. And then by a miracle, you won third place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you get your sister involved? Yeah, so because when I, I tell her pretty much everything. So when I was telling her that we were going to be in this, um, we were talking about like what I would pitch there right so mm-hmm. we came up with the idea together because like I said she has worked in an accelerator before oh, um, cool. like when she was in a co- when she was in college yeah so she came across a lot of female founded startups as well so we definitely came up with the idea together so then when I told her that we won like it was natural that we would continue working on it together you know it's not mm-hmm. like <laughs> I would win third place and then I'm like okay you're off <laughs> <laughs> And so how do you have any other co-founders kind of on board with you or joining you? And like, I don't know, how has that process been? And how did you know when you needed to bring on help as well? Yeah, we don't have other 
co-founders right now, although we would love to get um, some more co-founders. We've had people like offer to join, but it just didn't seem like the right fit and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. that's really important because this is going to be like a really, really long relationship. Yeah. Um, so it's really important <laughs> to make sure there's good fit, right? Definitely. Um, and, if, and if anybody wants advice on that, they should listen to some of our past episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so how we knew that it was right to bring on more people because it was literally like, because I mean, I'm going to school and she she's already graduated, so she's working, right? So we definitely had mm-hmm. a lot on our plate. And like, kind of, I was alluding to this earlier. I think it's important to recognize like where your time is best spent. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that oh, I don't have the time to do all of it. I mean, if I like really, really like you know push myself, I could get all of it done. But yeah. it's also that you want to focus your efforts on like what you shine in and like what you can do best, right? So as the mm-hmm. co-founders, we need to be talking. We need to be looking at like actually interacting with our customers and bringing on new people. And we might not have to take care of like something like social media or like um, you know emails or something like that or design, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we knew that um, it would be good. And from the beginning, we also wanted to be like making sure that we're thinking about how to grow and not be in like one place. And I think if we're just two of us, it's never going to grow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we started um, expanding the team. So I'm really glad right now because we have a pretty big team and growing. So we're bigger than it was before. (laughs) Nice. And so work with your strengths and um, delegate your weaknesses. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's how we could summarize that. And I mean, that's something I know I'm also just like continuously working on, even with doing stuff for unipreneurs um, because you can't do everything and you're just yeah. going to drive yourself crazy if you try to do, do everything. Yeah. And like you do a lot cause you're like working and then you have this like awesome podcast <laughs> and you have to like prepare for it and edit it. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, people, I mean, you know, from majoring in marketing and probably working at some of your internships, but like running social media is a full time job. People mm-hmm. think like influencers, don't do anything all day that is like the opposite of true mm-hmm. oh my gosh yeah like I don't think running, I can ever do that. running multiple social media accounts requires so much work because just the content generation itself is like the bulk load of that but also yeah. just like scheduling it writing captions responding to comments and like imagine if you're running this across multiple accounts you have like hundreds of thousands or millions of followers like yeah it, it's it's insane yeah. um so yeah I mean you can't do anything or you can't do everything yourself that's definitely true and then if you try to do I don't know your own accounting or something on top of that it's like no it's just best don't don't try to do your own accounting (laughs) hire an accountant (laughs) um so how many hours a week do you spend on working on Ida um I'm not sure because some weeks it'll be like more and you know some less um like if I was to give you an estimate of the past um, like a few weeks I would say mm-hmm. probably like 20 plus just because it's been really busy mm-hmm. which I know isn't a lot in terms of startup terms because people will be like 80 hours a week but you know but it's a I have lot like other... when you're balancing studies yeah like there's other things going on um so yeah <laughs> so yeah kind of how so how do you balance your school and work life yeah so good question um because I feel, like, really passionate about, like, time management and, like, balancing productivity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically, luckily, before I started Ida, like, really just a couple of months before, I got into the habit of, like, time blocking. Um, so, like, putting, like, what I'm going to do at, like, specific hours and not just having a general to do, generic to-do list for mm-hmm. the day. 
And you stick so, to that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do stick to it. <laughs> You're better than me. <laughs> it's hard. Trust me. It's hard at first. And honestly, it started because I was bored at my on-campus job, right? Mm-hmm. So I would be like doodling on a sticky note of what I'm going to do after the on-campus job. <laughs> <laughs> So to maximize my time after the on-campus job, I would be like, I would break it down into hours. And then I realized I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, and I would say, so that's a big way I balance my time. And other than that, I just, I really enjoy being around people and people are super important to me. So I'll always make time for people, even Mm -hmm. if that means like putting aside something. And I guess this is different for each person, but I know that I can, if I'm pushed against the wall, I can get the deadline done. But like... Mm -hmm that special moment with the person or like that outing or like seeing all of your friends at once like doesn't come around all the time you know so then I'm just gonna you know make a wild assumption here that you are an extrovert (laughs) yes (laughs) because I am the complete same and it's like I have friends who are like I don't understand how you can spend time hanging out with friends when you're doing so much and I'm like yeah but literally I would go crazy if I wasn't spending time with friends and actually it's good to make me even busier Mm -hmm. because that makes me more productive because then I'm on a time crunch. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and it sounds exactly. like you're similar. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, you're doing so much, but then it's still really important to have that human connection. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes me feel like that I'm not like doing a lot. I never feel like super overworked or something. Obviously, there's like sometimes, but I normally feel like I have a really good balance. And I feel like I'm just having a general academic life because there's like so many other things besides like, sitting and working on like a venture all day yeah Mm -hmm. so is school occupying like 40 hours a week too or is it less oh no it's way less especially now yeah yeah it's super easy now because I'm in my last year so it's everything's gotten like a lot slower and with being virtual like it's very easy now so I'm not gonna pretend that I'm like grinding really hard at school (laughs) yeah okay it was the same for me like I know like university here in Sweden like most people have like a part-time job or do something on the side because school unless you're in like a super hard computer science program um then you'll probably hate me for saying this but uh for kind of most people here it's like I don't know school max takes like 20-25 hours a week yeah so then you have like time outside of that to actually like get real world experience like in the working Mm -hmm. world which is really nice yeah so What is the hardest part of being a CEO? If you are the CEO, I never, I didn't double check that actually. I don't know how you and your sister have like split responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, I am. You're good. And um, the hardest part is, I would say, and it's weird because I actually thrive in like unstructured environments. Um, it's weird because I know most people like really prefer like having some kind of structure, but I don't know. I just really like a hodgepodge of things so (laughs) unstructured with time blocking (laughs) yes exactly so like unstructured in the sense that like entrepreneurship doesn't give you like a a step-by-step is what I'm saying yeah yeah so like I do time block it so that it has some structure but basically there isn't like a step of like how to succeed or like how to do something you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so I would say the hardest part is like making those like strategic decisions and like figuring out what to do next and it's, like, repeatedly testing, right? Because you don't know yeah. like, if it's going to work or not. Like, one of the definitions that I read of a startup um, is from Lean Startup um, mm-hmm. book. And it's basically that, like, a startup is just trying to prove out a business model, right? And it's repeatable and scalable business model. Yeah. 
Yeah, because if it was already proven, if it was something that had a blueprint, like, for example, like real Somebody estate follows. Yeah, exactly. Like something that follows very strict guidelines and it's not a startup. So, yeah, I would say the hardest part is figuring out what to do next and like not knowing whether that's going to work or not. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to one of my best friends also living in Dallas on the phone last night. And um, she, (laughs) she's really unhappy at her job post grad. And we were, she was having a chat with her mom. And it's like, you know, when you're in school growing up, and until you graduate from college, kind of like, all your life has been laid out for you. And it's always been very structured. And even when you graduated high school and move into the college environment, it's like, You still know like, okay, I need to try to go get an internship. I need to take this amount of classes. I need to get involved in these extracurriculars. And yeah, you always know what the next step is going to be. Uh, But as soon as you graduate, it's kind of like you're just exposed to this whole world of opportunity. Um, And when you are yeah, exposed to that much opportunity, it's kind of like the paradox of choice, right? Like you just get paralyzed by the amount of choice and you don't even know what to do as a next step because it's like yeah you've kind of been just guided along your whole life yeah that's actually just what I was saying to my friend like literally the other day like how up until now like if you meet people around our age you can ask questions like where did you go to middle school where did you go to high school because we've all had the same experience and same path yeah but after this you like someone could have be at your workplace but they've already done 10 years in another place and you're a new yeah. granny yeah yeah (laughs) so so how do you find your daily motivation in this unstructured world yeah so I would say like one especially recently like testimonials and like users like stories has been Mm -hmm. really motivational because it's really good to see that like all something that we've been working on like before it was like being used by real people is like then you're just kind of working on it by yourself right Mm -hmm. um to see that it's making an impact and like read the messages is like really really motivational and inspirational for me and the other thing is I just yeah yeah it is and the other thing is I just like working on it like I like working on my own thing I don't um and this is another part where I would say like I I'm better when I don't have like a lot of direction and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I like having to make my own decisions and I like just being in control of my own time. So that's where I find the motivation. Cause honestly, some for me, sometimes working on my venture is actually like really fun and I get to like be creative. Like I said, that's why I chose marketing. So I mm-hmm. would say I find motivation cause I enjoy the work as well. Yeah. Awesome. And so how do you view failure and what is your relationship with failure? So failure happens to everybody, right? <laughs> um, and I would say, like, before, like, freshman year, like, if I was, like, rejected or something like that, like, from an opportunity or something, like, I think I would take it really hard, maybe coming just off of high school where there's, like, mm-hmm. it's a smaller bubble, right? But I think college has helped me grow a lot in that regard. So, like, now with entrepreneurship, like, failure is, like, it happens all the time. Like, it's not even, like, it doesn't even register on my radar anymore because, like, <laughs> you'll apply to something. Yeah, like... I mean, we also, like, succeed in a lot of ways, you know? You're just immune to it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll just apply to something, you'll get, like, a rejection, you just, like, swipe left, like, remove the email. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you never know if you don't try, so. Yeah, exactly. So, and then if I do feel like something really big, like, an example I'll give you is um, UT Dallas, um, which is where I go, has this really, um, like, big startup pitch competition every year. It's called the Big Mm -hmm. Idea Competition 
So I was one of six finalists to pitch at it last year. Mm -hmm. And it was in front of like a thousand people or something like that. And I lost. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Because, (laughs) yeah, because, and I felt like I had failed, especially because, like, the audience, like, they were, like, asking the audience, like, who do you think is going to win? And they were like, Ida. So when I did it, I felt like I let everybody down or something. I don't know. It was, like, it was all put all in my head. Yeah. Yeah. We've had the same kind of at our pitch competitions, too. I know this past year, um, some teams really thought they were going to win and kind of the whole crowd thought they were going to win and they didn't. And Mm -hmm. then it's kind of like, what just happened? Yeah. It's like, because you don't, you don't want to make anybody feel bad if they did win. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I thought like the winners were great. Like, I really think like, um, they're so great. So it wasn't even like that. I just felt more embarrassed because now I felt like it was like more public or something. Yeah. So yeah, that was like a failure. And like, but I think I just got back up from it, like literally in a day or two. So I say I bounced back from failures pretty quickly. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, and I just like kept going. I'm like, okay, great. We didn't win. We don't have any funds, but like, we still have to keep going. Uh, yeah so I just like look at it as like um, I know this is like so like a quote like redirection and stuff I'm not going to say that but I think there's always another opportunity just around the corner yeah Yeah, either redirection or another opportunity that's going to be an even better fit for you exactly I think the world is full of opportunities like there's no end to opportunities so there's Mm -hmm. always something yeah yeah a funny a short and funny anecdote from my side I remember it must have been I guess, yeah, the second year of my bachelor's and I had been really involved with like the student association for like my business school. And since I was kind of like an international student, I was just so set on kind of like becoming the head of international relations for this organization. And the election thing, I mean, it went on forever. I think it was like 12 hours long. And I finally like (laughs) kind of pitched myself at midnight or something like that. And by then it was like a popularity contest. Like it was basically how many of your friends were still in the stands to vote for you determined if you won. Um, So there were a few of us candidates winning and it was kind of between me and this other girl who were like the most likely to win. And neither of us did because this girl (laughs) who had the most friends there, she won actually. Um, and I think long term, she was like probably the best fit for that organization. And me and this other girl were actually kind of destined to do even bigger things. And what's really funny is like when I didn't get that position, I was devastated. I remember coming home to my boyfriend and I was like crying all night and probably crying the whole next day. <laughs> and then after that, because it, yeah, it is kind of embarrassing. And you're right. It's like people think you're going to win. And it's like, yeah, you feel like you let them down or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, after that, you you pick yourself back up and it was from there that I actually applied to get involved with the entrepreneurship club at my school oh, that's uh, awesome. and from that everything else in my life has occurred so clearly that was a redirection in the right direction yeah that's awesome because you probably wouldn't have had time to do that otherwise no or I would have gotten into it much later in life like yeah. who knows uh, yeah, so it's crazy awesome. how things work out. Um, so yeah, now like, and we've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast too, failure is not a bad thing. And also like failure is worn as like merits on your chest as an entrepreneur. Like the, you can brag about who's failed more times because that's <laughs> more experience. 
Yeah, you've tried more times if you've failed more times. Yeah, and you're probably more knowledgeable about what's not going to work <laughs> in your next venture. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, how you talked a bit about like Blackstone Launchpad and like UTD or accelerators and stuff. What other resources were available to you when you were bringing your idea to reality? Yeah, so um, one other thing I would say that really inspired me, and this actually sounds like the fashion like weekend thing you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it was like Startup Weekend, which is like organized here um, amidst like the Blackstone launch pads. Techstars? And it was, yeah, like Techstar Startup Weekend, yeah. Yeah, we have the same here, but uh, okay. I don't know who they collaborate with in Art City. Okay, yeah, so it was like pretty similar to like the weekend that you just described where people like got on a stage and pitched something and then like you joined and stuff. So I ended up going to that, that weekend thing um, right after we one third place at that pitch competition right because mm -hmm. we didn't actually start working on Ida right away like even though we won it I was still kind of like I don't know in like a limbo state yeah um, and when I went to that startup weekend like res irrespective of like the idea we were working on it really inspired me because I was like wait why are we just sitting on this like we need to start working on it you know like it's mm -hmm. been a month and we still hadn't done anything for it because we were just like oh we won now what you know <laughs> so that weekend really helped me figure out okay like now what like you know here's what you do next immediately yeah and I remember like calling my sister I'm like hey I'm at this like UCLA startup weekend blah 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 but like here's my big takeaway we need to like get working on this as soon as I come <laughs> back home <laughs> you sound very business with your sister like here's my takeaway <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know she jokes about that she's like why don't we just like talk about like makeup or something like regular sisters <laughs> yeah <laughs> We do that. We do. We have a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see Ida in the next one year, five years, and 10 years? Yeah. So this is, again, going to sound probably like super optimistic and ambitious. So forgive me. <laughs> um, the, the next one. Yeah, exactly. The next one year, I would say like having the app like fully ready to go and like onboarding all of our users onto it. Mm -hmm. and like launching our subscription model because that's what Ida is supposed to be based on is like a monthly subscription mm -hmm. um, model and so that would be my goal for the next one year and as far as like number of users I would say like targeting like 500 by the end of year one mm -hmm. which I know is like really conservative but it just like works out like that no I think that's a good number yeah <laughs> and then I would say end of you said five years right yeah yeah five years then in five years, like, I want us to be, like, this really strong presence in the country, like, in the U.S., mm -hmm. and um, be, like, the place for female entrepreneurs to go. Like, I really envision it becoming the place where, like, someone who starts wants to start a business but really doesn't have any of the connections, comes from, like, a regular town, not from Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. is able to go and, like, still start their business successfully and, like, have that access that has been reserved to the few for, like, such a long time. Yeah, and that's such a good point. Something I want to drop in here. Maybe you've yeah. heard of the Venture for America. Mm -hmm. So that's a nonprofit started by Andrew Yang, who actually was running for president. But um, it's kind of like Teach for America's concept, but recent grads can go and they get placed in different cities across America, like Detroit or San Antonio, um, these kind of like non-tech cities that still have a lot of business going on and they drop them into ventures there to help build them up either their own idea or an already established venture. And they bring all this like really great talent or this mm -hmm. fresh talent from the schools 
into these cities and yeah basically students stay there for a year or two helping to like develop and build up these ventures and that's I think amazing. that's like really great because not everybody is living in Silicon Valley or Austin or New York mm-hmm. and we're really like not tapping into the potential that we have so it not only is it like kind of like an urban suburban rural divide we have the gender divide the racial divide the cultural divide I mean it just continues yeah absolutely so that's really awesome thanks for sharing that I'll look yeah. into it more um so yeah it's like something like Ten that years. So and 10 years. years. Yeah, 10 years. Um, this is like, the, I guess, the big dream. Um, it would be like, so we definitely um, have always thought about like hosting like our own events and stuff. Like we've done like a few virtual events, but like a really like big, like global event. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I said that we have global users, right? Yeah. That like showed me that it's actually possible that it doesn't have to be limited to the US because a lot of the principles of entrepreneurship are like ubiquitous, you know? Yeah. So I would love for Ida to be have become a global presence, mm-hmm. um, and which I know sounds like crazy even saying it, but <laughs> I think like for ten years it's possible because like that's usually when like businesses really peak anyway in ten years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the big, <laughs> uh, big, big dream for them. So do you have any other friends who have started their own businesses? Uh, no, I am friends with like people like that I met through entrepreneurship who have become my friends but like mm-hmm. the people that are like my close friends right now have not no. uh, how have your friends reacted to you having your own company oh they're really really supportive yeah so um they like will listen to me pitch or like look over <laughs> my deck or my pitch or they'll like I'll tell them about like a competition or something and they'll try to help me out like um if it's like you know watching my video or like because you have to make like a lot of pitch videos and stuff yeah yeah and they're always like asking me about how it's going and they're really really interested in like the progress we're making and stuff so they've been really supportive that's great yeah what advice would you give to a student who is interested in starting a venture and getting into entrepreneurship yeah your biggest piece (laughs) my biggest piece is like (laughs) as a student like don't look at it as a weakness like it's actually a really really huge strength to start as a student because you have the support of a university, like you're not going to have that backing once you graduate. I mean, you'll have alumni backing, but mm-hmm. you know, like in the workforce, you're just going to get lost in a workforce, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas as a student, you have all of these resources. And as a student, it's really easy to approach other people and say like, I'm working on this as a student, like, can you give me advice? Yeah, because people are really willing to talk to you if you're a student. Yeah. Definitely. So don't look at it as a weakness. Good. So don't suffer from imposter syndrome. Don't be afraid that maybe you're not the best adult in the room. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> so now we're going to get into our rapid fire question round to wrap it up. So try to answer these as quick as you can, but no pressure. Okay. Who is your biggest role model? Um, Kendra Scott. <laughs> oh, can you explain who she is real quick for those yes. who don't know? Yeah, so she is, like, the founder of a jewelry line called Kendra Scott. She's from Austin. She's from a very humble background, and she grew it to, like, it's worth over $1 billion now, and she's very, very philanthropic. Um, You know, she's all about giving back. Like, they have a program called Kendra Cares, um, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, I just find her to be a very successful yet genuine person. I love that. Do you know who my biggest role model is? (laughs) Is it also Kendra Scott? No, similar. It's uh, Whitney Wolf Hurd, who's the CEO and founder of Bumble. And she's oh also headquartered in Austin. 
and uh, I just she's so awesome oh my god you have to read about her and watch her interviews she co-founded tinder and then had to leave because of some like harassment uh charges and then she yeah was super depressed but um really kind of got it together to start Bumble, which was the dating app she kind of wanted to see the whole time. And also not actually, it didn't start as a dating app. She wanted to connect females to each other to become friends and like to network mm-hmm. in the business world. Um, so yeah, she's super cool. And definitely she's probably going to become your next uh, biggest role model too, because you're kind of, your missions yeah. with Bumble and Ida are pretty similar. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually, they're about to IPO soon, I heard. So yeah, really, really she'll be a billionaire too. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, that's such a good story that she was able to turn that around, like, because getting kicked out of or like having to drop out of a startup you co-founded due to harassment. It's devastating. Yeah. Yeah, she got so so much hate online. Okay, next question. Who do you call when you get bad news? My sister. (laughs) Who do you call when you get good news? Also my sister. Great. Yeah, same person. But also like some very close friends, but I would say like the first person, you know? Yeah. Who is your dream dinner companion? Michelangelo uh, or or the ghost of Amelia Earhart. Okay. Okay. If you weren't at Ida, where would you see yourself? probably working on a different idea like always just creating like I have a ton of ideas going through my head at all times (laughs) entrepreneur (laughs) and your favorite book Beezus and Ramona (laughs) okay yeah I have not heard the name of that in years (laughs) I know it's so silly (laughs) (laughs) and your favorite tv show white collar okay I haven't seen that yeah it's so good so do you have anything else you want to share before we officially wrap it up? No, that's it. This was really, really fun. And thank you so much for having me on, Alexa. You're yes, a thank great you for podcast. coming. <laughs> so podcast are you. And, and for those who want to check it out, actually, uh, Varika's running her own podcast through Ida, too. Maybe you can just give a quick pitch for that and tell us who you interview on there. Yeah, absolutely. It's called Think Ida on Apple or Spotify. And we interview entrepreneurs that are, you know, going through their startup journeys about like either a specific part of their business that they really excelled in like marketing or finance, or we talk about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship to share like the true stories and that it's not like all glorious and like, you know, magazines and stuff. Definitely. I love that. All right. Well, now it's nighttime here. It's dark outside because this is Sweden in the winter. So I really wish I was in Dallas at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's late for you. (laughs) And you're just getting your day started. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, We're going to leave all of your details in the description below. So those who maybe want to check out uh, Ida or follow Varika on LinkedIn or anything like that, we're going to have all of her details for you. So thank you, Varika. And have a nice working day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Alexa. Good night. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Unipreneurs podcast. I hope you enjoyed our episode with Varika and be sure to check out her details and Think Ida's website in the description, or you can find it at T-H-I-N-K-I-D-A dot com. 
If you like our podcast show and want to know more, check out Unipreneurs at www.unipreneurs.com and be sure to follow us on social media. Join us next time when we interview another amazing student entrepreneur. See you then.